It's here, the first Ghostbusters interdimensional cross-rip t-shirt, featuring front art by Dapper Dan Shonen. Wear your support for the podcast with pride. Proceeds from sales will go to keeping the lights on and not to putting beer in our stomachs. Men's and women's styles are available. Visit GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to buy yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to the crossword for the last week of November 2017. Yes, it is holiday season time, and, you know, we're going to start... We're gonna take it easy here at the Crossrip. No, I'm just kidding. We've got plenty of new Crossrips coming your way. Lots of good stuff on the horizon. This week on the show, we're gonna talk about the Blitzway Ecto-1 replica that's up for pre-order. It's pretty expensive. We'll also talk about Paul Feig's comments on Ghostbusters being a cause. And we're also talking about the not ready for primetime players being inducted into the TV Hall of Fame. Still playing with Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. I think these people are completely nuts. Woo! Because I did a like, I just grabbed a lot of it for the longest time, and it was kind of scattershot. And I think we talked about this before, that I'm now at the point where I'm like, these are the things of the collectibles that I really like the most that I'm going to dial down into. So, you know, there's... Which makes it much more of an interesting collection when it comes down to it. Yeah, it's more focused and curated and... Yeah. Yeah. So, and that means that, you know, there'll be a lot of real Ghostbusters stuff that I'll probably... I end up parting with, except for a couple of rarer items and things like that. Um, yeah. Uh, although that also reminds me that Ryan of the Ghostbusters of British Columbia introduced me to a uh, an Instagram, the art of RGB. Oh yeah, he posts such great stuff. So I much. need to I need to take some nice. Uh, oh, there we go. Adam's family display box, a color photo, five by seven, thirteen bucks. <laughs> there you go. Buy yourself um, a nice photo of it. There we go. He um, uh, he pointed it out to me, and I was looking through that stuff, and I was like, "There's a guy where I need to take really good pictures of the um, the real Ghostbusters prototype, like the digital watches right. they did, and oh the yeah, unproduced that's, ones. He'd probably love that. That's his so, bread and butter right there. All the like prototypes and unproduced things, and all yeah. the Kenner uh, like style sheets and stuff, and. They're really nice, but uh, honestly, I think they're probably going to go to. I think, I think you, I really like them just because it was at the time it was kind of hard to find, like unproduced. Like nowadays, people's collections are fairly impressive in the amount of of like uh, you know the pre factory sculpt test sculpts and stuff like that. You know, uh, for yeah. everything. Actually, that's just a, a product of. A function of how, how much new stuff there is too because it's like I found an unproduced Funko Pop test model it's like hooray I, those are a lot easier to come by than say you know 20 and 30 years ago where stuff popped up on eBay and I was like holy crap yeah. and the price was right and well, I usually it was and destroyed it would end up in a dumpster or it would be like melted down for something else or yeah exactly so I have these to exist these cool uh, unproduced test ones they were like for I can't imagine they took them to trade show. I honestly think they were internal, where the designers mocked these things up and then took them and said, "What should we do?" And I know for a fact I have some of the digital watches that got made, 
Maybe I'll keep those, display them. Oh, there we go, because I was at Michael's. And I, every time I go into Michael's, I go to that section where it's like all the... <laughs> oh, boy, it's not very nerd-friendly. At, uh, at <laughs> Go to the framing <laughs> section, and there's that corner where it's like, if, if, if Ma's coming to get scrapbooking, Dad needs a place, so Dad will wander around that bit of framing where it's like, yeah, I should totally frame that jersey of mine or whatever that's but i look at all those going man i must have stuff i want to display in a shadow box and those are them yeah the unproduced on card if i can get the 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 test mock-ups they did and then frame them along with the finished product that looked nice hanging yeah. on the wall. and you can do that with some of your selected like we had somebody uh on the Crossrip Twitter account who hit us up with like his parents or somebody had gifted him all four of the uh, RGB Kenner figures in a shadow box and it looked super nice. The packs mm. were upside down, which everybody, including myself, pointed out to him. But uh, yes, because he all can't help himself. Can't help it. No ray of sunshine <laughs> goes unblocked. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you put those watches in a shadow box, if you put. Uh, a yeah. couple of the more rarer things, uh, or even like your uh, your 2016 hat or something like that. Put it uh, behind some glass. That'd be pretty classy. Maybe I, I didn't check it. Well, the funny part is, speaking of Michaels, I'm staring at the uh, the $11 uh, form, uh, foam, sorry. Oh, the head. Um, yeah, wig yeah. head thingy, yeah. <laughs> He's going to have the hat shortly. I don't know about under glass, but he'll yeah, wear but it for a he'll while. Be, he'll be on a foam head. The, le- right. the eleven dollar head will be wearing uh, stylish threads. Care of stylish your eBay yeah. purchase. See? Yeah, makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Uh, I'm glad we've had this talk. Let's end the call here. <laughs> I need to go work on some stuff. <laughs> and good night. And good night. Uh, do you think you would put those stupid uh, boxer briefs in a shadow box? Did you see those? <laughs> the Bustin makes me yes. feel good, and I'm like, oh, yes. come on. Um, actually, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of okay with it because they're <laughs> kind okay. of a, right. no, no. Well, they're kind of a like if they showed up at like a a Walmart or something, it would seem like really heavy, like a really heavy mm. heavy merch push that just kind of. Eh. Well, yeah. Um, also, it would be very like Spencer's gifts. I, I wouldn't expect to see something yeah. like that at Target. Like, oh, that's a little edgy for. But this Target is. These guys are akin to the companies that show up, you know, it's Christmas time, buy your ugly Christmas sweater. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of targeted online merch production. See, my question is, and this is this is why, I, and this is the other reason I'm kind of okay with them, is that art they had done themselves. Like yeah. that's original art on those, those boxers. So it's 100%. Uh, they're not just stealing something and... Turn it, turning yeah, it on its head, kind of. <laughs> exactly. At least they put the effort in. You may not like the result, but they put the effort in. <laughs> versus all these places, versus all these other places where it's like, here we slap the logo on it. You want to buy it? And it's like, eh, I don't want to buy everything with the logo <laughs> slapped on it. We put that Slimer that you've seen eighteen times from the uh, the art file on it. You want it? No, I'm, no. I'm okay. <laughs> I th- I just think at the same time it 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 shed a light on something. I mean, I've known it. I I've known the entendre was there. Uh, the Bustin makes me feel good. Uh, like, I mean, Ray Parker jr. Says it with that gleam in his eye. He knows exactly what he's saying when he says it in the song and in the music video. Yeah. But it was, it was always, it was a little easier because it was unspoken and this is it's there in your <laughs> face. No, not in your, 
Never mind. You know what I mean. Never mind. <laughs> it's draped around your neck. Wait, Change what? The no. Change the subject. Uh, I like that it's Stay Puffed color palette. Does that make any sense? The blue it's and a lot the white. Of, uh, yeah. Blue and white. Like, like that kind of, again, I'm just, I don't know if it's, we've seen so much of like the slime green stuff. It was kind of refreshing to see somebody, I, let's call it the, the marshmallow. Pe- oh, there we go. We need to, you and I right now as experts, I don't know if we are, but let's just say we are. uh, Color palette (laughs) definitions here. (laughs) Well, just to be all hoity-toity about it, we can speak to things in terms of a slime color palette. So there's basically the slime color palette, the hazard stripe color palette, and the uh, marshmallow color palette. I can't think of any others off the top of my head. I think that's uh, what would we consider. There's always like the black and red motif, too. Black and red. Kind of oh, like the, the logo, classic. The logo motif. Yeah, yeah, so like there's a logo you... motif. There's the hazard. I call it the hazard striping because nobody ever seems to do the khaki by itself. I think people feel the khaki is is so drab as a as you know, to merch anything out. You you just got to start slapping yeah, the hazard pop off thing the shelves. So you got to put caution striping on it. Yeah. And actually it's very rare to do the 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 khaki thing. The caution striping almost always comes hand in hand with. Um, green energy and proton streams. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Stay Puffed look is... Uh, slime, yeah, and then the Stay Puffed. Yeah, so there we go. There's neglected. a shorthand then. If we're talking about products, we go. This is, you know, in this... <laughs> I hope you, when I you know. do your Christmas shopping, your Ghostbusters Home Shopping Network oh. <laughs> uh, episode, <laughs> I, I hope you do the like, and this yep. item, uh, number 142, these boxer shorts are in the Stay Puffed <laughs> color palette. <laughs> For the what gets, discerning yeah. Ghostbusters fan. For the discerning Ghostbusters fan. What I like about, the, well, not what, uh, not what I like. Um, uh, I've had a very long day, as I've said, so my brain is starting to. Oh, no, it's mush. To, uh, but, but I was, what, the one thing I thought when I was looking at them was, is, I'm assuming this is, falls into the category of it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission sort of thing. Like. I don't think they've if, – if you're not going to sell it, if you put this up saying, what does everybody think? Obviously, they haven't secured anything with Sony. So I guess we live in the age where you can float that stuff just to see how it yes. goes. Well, I mean, we also live in the age where T-Fury kind of gets away with it by putting it up for a day and then it's gone. Exactly, right? Like, so, and, yeah. and the world is filled with so much um, fan stuff, right? Like uh, – uh, did I mention the 16 by, no, 24 by 36? Yeah, you mentioned it last, yeah, last week you did. Yeah. I still recommend people go watch that. It's, it's interesting when they get to the point where they talk about the modern, uh, we'll call the Mondo era of poster art. Cause they, they, they start with the collecting of the, the original Movies. Yeah, the it's, original it's got posters. Three chapters. Yeah. So the, the 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 birth of the original posters and you know uh, screen printed all the way up to uh, you know Drew Struznan doing the 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 photorealistic uh, sketching and and airbrushing and all that, and then it stopped when Photoshop came along. And there's this ugly period that nobody wants to collect. And now we're in this third era, this renaissance, where people are back to doing originals, but. There was this underlying uh, war uh, between the people who are doing it and selling it, 
with no official sanction. And then the bigger companies who know that they're big enough that they probably can get their head swatted off if they're not careful, who spend a lot of time securing Hmm. uh, rights to these things. And at the end of the day, it becomes this this battle that, you know, Joe Blow, who's by himself and has no family or mortgage or anything like that, is happy to <laughs> just pump stuff out on, you know, DeviantArt and Etsy and all that. And everybody loves his stuff equally as much as the guys who are, you know, supporting a growing, uh, you know, print poster empire sort of thing. So Sure. Uh, this is what I was thinking of. And th- which brings us back to uh, boxer briefs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's again, gonna be one of those feels, kind of shows. It's gonna be one of those shows. It feels like it feels like they just sort of. If the world went nuts, they'd immediately be talking to Sony, going, "Please, can we have the rights, please?" Unless Sony's got a a give us two hundred bucks and you can float the idea. Yeah, you know what I mean, I almost can make it, can't sell it, but for two hundred bucks, eh, give it a go. Yeah, and see we'll take our kid. our license fee or whatever. I I feel like Sony is kind of one of those companies. They're not quite like Lucasfilm, where if you are selling something with the Star Wars uh, intellectual property, that they come down hard on you and yeah, f- cease cease and desist immediately. Um, I, I don't know. I, I almost, there's so many like. Uh, I guess what other properties do they have though? Now that I'm thinking about it, Sony, it's like Ghostbusters is one of their only properties besides like Spider-Man, but that's under Marvel's kind of jurisdiction. Uh, currently Smurfs? Hotel Transylvania oh, yeah, Hotel is massive Transylvania. for them, but also like, it's got a, th- it's got a third one coming. Yeah. My and son is, that is like very a, excited. <laughs> yeah. Are, but there's no, there, nobody's making Hotel Transylvania three boxer shorts that are unsanctioned, uh, I would imagine. Yeah, well, no, no, they're not. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really know. Mm. Um, there's got to be a bond, maybe. Oh yeah, bond. Although the funny, Although that's not them the funny part either. there is they they don't and they don't do normal merch for Bond. Yeah. it's not. It's not like it's like here, get your James Bond backpack. No, <laughs> they're like. Uh, actually, this is very Blitzway. Would you like a three thousand uh, uh, dollar wristwatch worn by James Bond in the movie? So you can drive around in your $150,000 sports car? Hmm. That's like there's no, hey, I got a James Bond pen. <laughs> That's, I, I, can't even, I can't even think of McDonald's. Like, I got a James Bond no. cup. Well, that's pro- <laughs> I, they probably can't figure the rights out to that with as convoluted <laughs> as Bond is now that's with true. MGM and Sony and Fox. And I think somebody else now just bought it again and is going to be distributing the next one. And yeah, uh, licensing. Cubby, Cubby Broccoli's daughter. Yeah. The, the guy that invented the Daleks. It's just all a big mess, so. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, um, you said you're tired, and we've got a full rundown. We've got a lot of ex- exciting stuff that's coming up, so. Let's, yeah, okay, uh, let, we let's just it. put a pin in I'm always saying I'm tired, well, so don't, I mean, don't put too much into. Adulting. It's okay. Adulting means can't buy toys. <laughs> hey, guys. Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. All right, well, you said adulting means that you can't buy toys, and that's a very perfect segue for us to start talking about Blitzway again, which you alluded to at the top of the show here. Um, yeah, I, I lost. I think this is the first verified podcast bet that we have a result for, and I've lost it. I, yeah, well, 
I mean, going back and re-listening to our, our episode last week before what we're about to talk, our adjustment for inflation or possibly our our guesstimation of a value of something is way off. But way off. That's not to say that it's not expensive still. The uh, Blitzway Ecto-1 they have announced pre-orders for. Uh, it is coming your way sooner than later for that one-sixth scale uh, Ecto that we saw at... Uh, Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, and uh, Big Bad Toy Store currently has the pre-order up for a whopping $15.99, $1,599. That's going to get you the the lights and the sounds and the replica that is the ultimate Ectomobile for the ultimate collector who happens to have that kind of cash lying around. Who had, now, who has that price? Uh, that's Big Bad Toy Store. Big Bad Toy Store, because on Blitzway's site, they were saying a suggested retail price of $13.99. Oh, man. So that's a $200 either adjustment that didn't get reflected on Blitzway or an additional markup Oof. that they're going yeah, for. Yeah, it could be a markup on Big Bad Toy Stores because it is a premium item. And the other thing, too, like Big Bad Toy Store, they're requiring you to put down 320 bucks non-refundable deposit uh, to pre-order it as well. So... They're pretty yeah. serious about it. If you're going to pre-order it, you got to be ready to uh, plunk down some cash. That feels a heck of a lot like – because, I mean, this is uh, uh, a Taiwanese company. Do I have that right? Uh, I think – yeah, I think you're – oh, no, wait. Are you confusing? Because no, no, Soldier Story is uh, – Soldier Story is yeah. in Taiwan. Yeah. But Blitzway is operating out of – They're not – Well, somewhere's – They're not stateside, I don't believe. No, the, I yeah. believe their website uh, – I, I, Maybe they're operating out of Hong Kong. I don't know. But the point is, is it does seem like tacking on $200 feels a lot like uh, whatever price they're buying it at, they're going to lose most of their profit on it, having it shipped over to them. Like it, it and it's uh, a big a, yeah, item, the too. Yeah, freight so, for it, I'm sure. Yeah. So if that $200, well, and that and they say there's a, a non-refundable $300 <laughs> deposit on it, feels a hell of a lot like that's the co- that's what it costs to have it shipped over. Yeah, that's, and, that's them and a little eating bit, the cost for the shipping. Yeah. <laughs> and our, our, a little bit of time on our part to, uh, to do all the paperwork, et cetera. And if you don't follow through, then we've invested the remaining $1,400 or $1,300 and we'll turn around and sell it to whomever. But yeah, the, those numbers seem to suggest that there's a, um, I can't say it's wrong necessarily. Like, it, you know, they got to make a profit on it and they are bringing it in, um, you know, well, got to get on a boat. Yeah, and exactly. That's well, never, yeah. So I wonder, so the Blitzway, you said if you buy it directly through them and it's thirteen ninety nine, that probably doesn't include the shipping then. So you're probably also tacking on the, whatever it costs to have this 50 inch Ectomobile uh, sent to you yeah. from China. Um, Look, let's put it this way. I tried to send a single box of Halloween candy to a friend in Australia and Canada Post wanted 75 bucks. <laughs> so my friend right. had a sad Halloween. Oh, man. Um, I don't know that you can buy direct from Blitzway. There doesn't seem to be a store on their site. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're and right. It, it, was, it wasn't through Blitzway. It was like some other website I'd never heard of. It's like fright yeah. something, fright something. I can't remember now. <sighs> so, yeah, man, uh, this is uh, this is this is this is why we still I, they probably still exist, but their heyday is 
you know, 20 years behind them, 30 years behind them. But, but this is where we need a den for men, yeah. a, a nationwide or a continent wide chain to, you know, drop a half a million dollars on buying a whole bunch of them. So every store gets at least one and the shipping cost is brought down and uh, we can all rejoice for it. And then, but yeah, no, we all profit from it, but. No. That, yeah. And actually, now that you mentioned so $320, and I'm sitting here going, $320. Well, yeah, I guess that would cover shipping from Asia to here. Is the rest administrative? No. Duh. The extra part is if you do fo- follow through on buying it, them shipping it to you in yeah. North America. There's a secondary. Yeah, once There's it gets sec- off of the boat in <laughs> Long Beach, California, it's got to get from there to – you know, um, oh, I mean, it's it's the exact turn around and yeah. sending it to you. Yeah, it, it's so. it's what we experienced with you know when um, the the Ghostbusters board game was uh, shipped overseas. The the original one, you know, when Cryptozoic was like, okay, it just arrived from China and it's on the mainland. Oh boy, and we have to sort through all of these packages and package them back up for you guys. So it's going to be another however long it was, like three or four weeks. And yeah, so that's probably <clears throat> the additional shipping and handling that goes on there. But so. It's a lot well, of money, guys. And and if you it tackle, is a lot of money. You, you buy the four figures for 900 bucks. So yeah. you're already close to, I mean, with tax and whatever other shipping, and it's like three grand all in to get all four of the guys and the car. So this is, as we have been saying now for many, many weeks or months or years, uh, this is for the, uh, the, the, the high... I want to say high class, but it's not quite high class. Uh, this is the higher income bracket. Higher income bracket. This is for our uh, doctors and uh, Apple engineers, and uh, I'm trying to think of all the people that I saw. Like I already pre-ordered it. Um, <laughs> there was only like three or four people that I saw do that. Yeah. But well, here the funny part is, I said, "Well, all things considered, this is you know relatively affordable." And somebody. <laughs> Somebody somebody gave me some crap for that. It's like, I don't know if you're using relatively affordable correct. I'm like, it depends on whether you were going to buy it or not. Yeah, well, and considering We weren't going to buy it. So, yeah. It doesn't, it, so yeah, it's obviously not a relatively affordable. If we were go, intent on buying it and we were sitting around going, I don't know, three grand or something, and all of a sudden it's like half that, hey. Oh, that's that's, uh, it's that's relatively affordable. And, you know, the reason that I think it is affordable is I was assuming that it was going to be a die cast metal or s- something, but it's I, apparently it's made out of plastic because that's what was nice about this now being up for pre-order is we have some details on it. It's made out of plastic. <laughs> so we know that now. We also know that it has it was, a speaker in there. Because if it was metal, shipping would be $500. It would, yeah, I mean, you would <laughs> yeah, need a forklift can, to pull one of these things out of a truck. Um, you, can, you can plug it in and it can play music. Yeah, so... so it is a very expensive uh, Bluetooth speaker if you need it to be. <laughs> um, oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, if you can yeah. get that going. It's got light sounds. Uh, yeah, it has a, a USB in and a micro SD card that you can put in uh, whatever tunes or sound effects you want to add to it. Um, so uh, so it, it should be a cool item for those people. You know, it's again, it's like the Innovo Spengler pack. It's uh, for the... 20 or 30 people out there who are actually probably going to end up buying it, uh, it's going to be super awesome. And then I would imagine the minute you buy it, it triples in value because you are one of 30 people that actually owns it. Yeah. That would be my guess. I would like to continue a thought we had last time, now that we know all about the car and all that. Yeah. Please take some of those press photos we saw, like that that famous black and white one of the 
the four guys leaning on the car. Recreate that with the figures and the the car. Sell us that poster. (laughs) Or the three of them leaning on the, like the back. Sell us that poster, please. Something to us, the little people. Uh, who can't please, please. I have fifty dollars. <laughs> my, my son can work fractionally harder to pay his way through university just so I can have a poster. Just for the poster, yeah. Please. Uh, or maybe they'll end up doing a. You know, this is a one-sixth scale. If this sells well enough, maybe they'll take a cue from the Hot Wheels Elite series and they'll do some smaller scale uh, versions that are a little more maybe on the cheaper side. I don't know. I, Blitzway doesn't really seem to do that, so no. Um, what what I dread is the inevitable YouTuber pulling in crap loads of money who's going to pick one up just so he can do jackass stuff with it on YouTube, and we're forced to watch. We get to watch him blow it up and set yeah, fire to it. Yeah, it's like the guy's just like, look, I have the iPhone 10. I'm going to put it in a blender. And you're sitting there going, yeah, it must be nice to yeah. have a disposable iPhone 10 income. God, the, there is a, a, a YouTube personality, uh, I will say, uh, who lives across the street from my office, and he pulled up in a Maserati the other day, and I was like, you make videos where you taste test Cheetos every day. How are you driving in a Maserati? <laughs> It's fine. Was it a, was okay. it a Cheeto Maserati? It, or? it had to. A Cheeto probably bought it for him would be my guess. But <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. Well. Let's put it this way: the one, if it, it's any consolation, uh, <laughs> uh, whereas Hollywood uh, star fame bubbles used to be measured in five years for multiple decades, ooh, YouTubers, oh, I'm sure it's a measured fraction. in years, yeah, <laughs> like a couple of years. It, it quite literally is the fifteen minutes Pop. of fame, yeah. Boom. But uh, anyway, so uh, let, let me way. tell you, let me tell you, anybody who's so self-centered that they think they can put stuff over the internet and people just want to hear it. I mean, no, the seriously. nerve of those people. <laughs> think, what kind of jackass does it take to think people want to listen? <laughs> Hang on, I'm having a little bit of introspection here. I don't, yeah, wait a minute. What are we doing with our lives? I'm going to let you transition to the next item. Here's Thank where you, you hear the boo. Please stay tuned. <laughs> Experiencing technical <laughs> difficulties. <laughs> the drunk camera operator. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, while we're on the subject of being introspective, let's pick at some old scabs here. Um, mm. and so, and the only reason I bring it up is because it, once again, it is the talk of the town. So, uh, it would be foolish of us not to even bring it up. It would be, I would like to start this off before we dive into it less than I would have imagined. Oh, really? There was, there was quite a bit, but, but not quite as much. Uh, I will they, say that they, I saw it translated into German. So, uh, oh, don't get me wrong; it is everywhere. But like, just going by, say, like I can only compare comment threads on my site to previous comment threads. And don't get me wrong; the same two groups showed up to make the same two arguments. But man, the fire's kind of out. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's like, kind of, it's already it's it's run its course it's already played out um you know people tweeted us and said do you guys have thoughts on this and i think you and i both kind of shrugged our shoulders and were like yeah we've been talking about it for a year and a half i don't know what else we can say well yeah at this point technically we've been talking about it three years for for so long this this podcast started on the back of this so So, all right so uh, if you are not aware i'm sure you probably are we're talking about paul feig uh doing an interview with vulture uh where he 
he made some comments that uh, at this point are a little questionable and 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 I'm you and I should this is why I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to talk about it with you but so uh Paul Feig said that he uh was a little regretful about the reboot becoming a cause becoming the vanguard for a cause and his quote is, I think it kind of hampered us a little bit because the movie became so much of a cause. I think for some of our audience, they were like, what the f***? We don't want to go to a cause. We just want to watch a f***ing movie. And so, and then he goes on and he says, it was a great regret in my life that the movie didn't do better because I really loved it. It's not a perfect movie. None of my movies are perfect. I liked what we were doing with it. It was only supposed to entertain. It was only supposed to be there to entertain people. Um, but then he says that he has perspective on it because it beat out Star Wars and Captain America at the Kids' Choice Awards by saying that the teens are just watching it and they're not bringing all of the baggage to it. Um, so, I mean, again, Paul Feig is in defensive mode. Uh, I'm sure everybody's going to be asking him to comment upon this uh, until the day he decides to go into uh, seclusion and becomes a recluse and leaves Hollywood behind. Um but the the issue that I kind of take with this, Chris, is actually it kind of goes back to one of the fundamental things about the movie that I think could have been changed and could have improved the movie. Um, why do the Ghostbusters in this movie have to be these outcast misfits? Why aren't they uh, the rock stars that are those guys on TV that Dana Barrett's mom knows? Um, you know, why, why did the Ghostbusters have to be shit on? Why did the Ghostbusters have to look at the YouTube comments? Why did they have to deal with all of this backlash in the actual movie itself? And that's what I don't understand with what Paul Feig is saying here. If it was such a burden for them, if it was hampering them to be a cause, why did they address it in the movie? Why is it a part of the movie? Why didn't they just brush it off and do the movie that they wanted to do? I think this certainly suggests stuff that we've talked about before, but could only speculate at, and we still can only speculate. Well, not even speculate, speculate what was going on. Cause we knew all the parties involved. There was a lot of cooks involved in this movie. Oh yeah. To be, to be sure. And I mean, some of the first cooks to pipe up and say was, well, isn't what we wanted, you know, was Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Reitman to various degrees. Um, and I think this is now Paul Feig. This is the end of the the professional period. Do you know what I mean? Like he put a, he put a year in on putting that movie out and was pretty much fairly professional beginning to end. And now that, you know, the honeymoon's over and he can kind of speak his mind a bit more. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I mean, he, every time he went on the press circuit, every time he was in, even before the movie came out, when he was interviewed for the movie, people would say four women Ghostbusters, huh? Women. Is that possible? Why are you rebooting it with women? Uh, I know that that was the talking point. That was the buzz leading into it that any, any one of the journalists that was talking to him probably had it on their cue sheet uh, to, to talk to him about it being four women. Um, and, yeah. and so... I'm guessing they leaned into that while they were actually making the movie, but, and so maybe he's, maybe he's regretting that decision. Maybe he's regretting leaning into it and not kind of making less of a deal about it. But at the same time that don't, don't blame the shortcomings of the movie now on that, because that's, that's something that's a badge of pride that you should now be wearing. Cause you've, you've leaned into that. You've, uh, yeah. you've sort of set the tone for that. It's, it's very strange. It's really, I think they might've caught him in a bad mood or 
he's talking about his uh, new suit collection at J Crew or something, and he's like, I don't want to talk about Ghostbusters. And well, this, this is was what at a uh, a vulture con or something they oh, call it, like it, some like sort of a convention or a convention that thing? the mag that actual magazine puts mm. together. And he was there last year and kind of talked about the movie too. So. Um, I, the trick is, is we've, we never saw a lot of, we said ultimately, eventually saw a video from the last one. I'll be curious to see if we get to see a video from this one just to get some context. Cause sure. again, all we've got is Vulture going, Ooh, uh, and, and picking some pieces out. Um, I mean, as time goes on, more and more people have to realize that we're, I mean, we're all culpable. I know that everybody loves to point a finger someplace else, but pardon me, this is not, this is not a the result of a binary situation. There's no one thing that yeah. got us to where we're at. Um, you know, maybe Paul Feig wanted it to be less, but there's a lot of reasons that he ultimately didn't want it. Like you said, he leaned in because quite clearly, uh, you know, it does align with his own personal views. Sure. So he's happy to lean in. Um, it, it, you know, uh, uh, Amy Pascal is definitely <laughs> an embarrassingly, uh, and the embarrassing part is not what she's on record for, but rather that, you know, it got outed in the hack. It's in there and, you know, for all to see that she was, it was part of the whole thing. We're going to do Ghostbusters with, with women. Yeah. Because that's very much a part of her agenda. Um, as you said, press immediately went, huh? And even though they love to forget it, the minute they announced it. Fans were all over it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If fans, not that it would ever would have happened, but if every man, fan had kept their mouth shut one degree or another and just let it roll out, I, we'd be sitting here talking about something entirely oh, different. sure. Because they were living in the moment and, and knowing how much of that movie was improvised and, and ad-libbed, if they're getting all of this backlash and their comments and their responses on Twitter and stuff, I'm sure that they're working it into their improv. And yep. that's how we end up the with the... Yep ain't no bitch is going to hunt no ghosts thing. And like, well, you're commenting yeah. on it quite literally in the movie. Yeah. And I, and I don't, I, I can't, I, I just can't interpret. I don't know if he's, he's saying he regrets that the movie didn't do better. So he's not necessarily saying that he regrets leaning into, to the cause. He yeah. just thinks that the cause kind of hampered them a little bit, which, you also talk about, like, why didn't he say something? Well, man got handed his first massive special effects budget yeah. for a comedy. How much room, you know what I mean? Like, that's a, that's a lot of late nights thinking, you know, exactly how much noise do I make? Uh, we still don't know stuff. Like, we know he was in the editing room, but how much pressure was coming in from the studio, especially given that, you know, we know later on that Reitman was in there. Uh, in the mix, uh, at the end, uh, of the editing and all that. Like, it's just <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. I still refuse to pin this all on him, even though a large contingent of, of people want to, cause this is way more complex than just, he, yeah, he did or he didn't. Right. Like, it's just, come on, let's all be grown ups about it and realize the world is, you know, a, a muddy gray mess and. Like I said, any number of things, if they hadn't occurred in the production of this movie, we would, would have changed things drastically. Yeah. We would be, like you said, we'd be talking about this completely differently. So at any now rate, to I go mean, to, sorry to go to your, your thing though, cause you were asking about why did it have to be the underdog thing? Yeah. Fair point. But again, that goes to, that may just be a problem Hollywood has. And again, it might not be Feigs. It may be a studio thing. Why up un, until in the last two years were we unable to, 
to watch a new superhero movie without it having to go over the origin of the character. We all know one more time. Uh, Same thing. It's like third movie and it's about the underdogs. Like, look, guess what? The second one didn't have to be about the (laughs) underdogs, but that, but no, but case in point, the studio went, reset it. It worked in the first one, reset it. So they yeah. all went back to underdogs and had to do it all over again. So Well, and there's there's still the underdogs. Like that's Yeah. At the end of the movie, they are still there there's the the heartwarming moment that ends the film where it's like, Oh look, people actually do like us. And you're like, yeah. well, why didn't they like you in the first place? You have cool <laughs> toys, you bust ghosts. I don't understand. Like that's the whole logic flaw that's But if anybody hands you um um a version of it that takes away a little bit of that crackpot underdog story, they get nervous. They're like, I don't recognize that compared to the earlier one. And that's what we're paying is we want the magic of the earlier one again. So please stick to it sort of thing. See, this is what kills me is, and uh, this is, this is why short of him writing the essay where he explains how he did X, Y, and Z and deliberately did a bunch of stuff that nobody liked. Um, you know, and, or <laughs> I, Paul Feig of sound body and mind do hereby <laughs> declare that I went out of my way to screw over the fandom. Um, and when I said only certain people were assholes, no, I meant you're all assholes. Like until I see that, I'm going to give him a pass because he's the easy target in all this yeah. when there are so many fingers, you know, and brains behind all this that, I mean, a handful we can put a name to, but we still don't know exactly what they did and did not exert pressure-wise onto this, and a whole bunch of others that we can't even put a name to, let alone what they did or did not yeah. put a pressure to, right? Like so. Well, and hopefully we'll get that making of book uh, twenty years from now, where everybody speaks <laughs> candidly about it, and we actually get the real story. And uh, until that mm. point, I, I just I'm at the point where I just shrug and I'm like, I've already I've talked Man, about it till we're blue in the face. Like I just over. don't it's, have anything more to say. The only thing interesting came out of it, and I had not heard this, is that um, when this got dredged up, somebody decided that it was also the time. <laughs> I when I say that the the fire wasn't there, it didn't burn as bright, but it was still a little odd that it was kind of like Paul Feig says he wishes it wasn't. Uh, as big a cause uh, or become such a cause and then it turns into look it's not about that or them being women here's my essay again and what I don't like about the movie it's like (laughs) no no we're not doing this again yeah Uh, but in the midst of it somebody decided they still had an axe to grind with Patton Oswalt who lashed out last year over people uh, uh, being uh, jerks about the, the answer the call film and to which they said he did it because his what it was the last thing his wife worked on. What? what? To which Wait. a whole bunch of other people pointed out that well, she's not credited Internet Movie Database. I call no way, and I'm kind of like, yeah, script. It would have been script doctoring, and yeah, she's not. I didn't think she was a script doctor, and I know she's a writer, and she's not that kind of writer. I like, thought she worked what? on like true crime stuff. Yeah. She's huh. she's essentially a full blown journalist, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and the only reason I say essentially is because that she wasn't she wasn't attached to uh, any news outlet. Rather, she wrote her own books, but she was doing that you yeah. know, real heavy lifting. Like, got a couple of cases overturned or reopened and all this. Like, she she did some real 
research intensive stuff. And I was like, and I don't think she did script. Uh, I don't so think. Yeah. That's interesting. Put a weird little pin in it, so it's like, like I said, it didn't. It's not a for sure thing, but now I kind of gotta keep an eye out to see. You know, there might come that time where an, an interview comes out that not only did she do her own writing, but she supplemented her income by, you know, doing yeah, doing a punch to up a certain and... de- certain degree. It makes a certain amount of sense. It's like, hi, can you can you write some funny dark dialogue <laughs> for this spot? Well, yeah, probably. And... And a lot of times, especially if there's pickup shoots or additional photography, they'll hire, you know, Katie Dippold isn't around or they want to get a different take on it. So they'll hire like a Zach Penn or somebody like that just to write a page and a half of something. And so it's possible that that happened. But no, that's the first I'd heard of that. That's actually a surprise to me. The other thing that came came to mind, too, was is the whole uh, uh, the haunted house at the beginning if somebody had to come up with a realistic, uh, uh, cause essentially that was the tale of like a, a, a psychotic, uh, that was a Lizzie Borden esque story right. that set yeah. up the, 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 the Aldridge, Eldridge, Aldridge, Eldridge, yeah, Aldridge, the, yeah. The Aldridge mansion story at the beginning. And I was kind of, mm. again, if you had to find somebody saying, can you make this sound realistic and creepy? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So, Interesting. Well, if, if anybody so, out there has uh, any information on that, send, know, send it our way because that's, that's I'm gonna, news. I'm going sh- to shovel all the usual crap to the side and forget about it. And I'm going to focus now on this one little tantalizing mystery yeah, for a that's while. That's interesting. But again, that's that's the production stuff that I'd like to know that if, if they did bring in a script doctor or they did bring in these people to kind of punch things up, I wonder who those were. But <sighs> Oh, if only somebody would write a book do we know anybody that writes books i don't about these know things? anybody who would do such thing <sighs> do we know anybody that helps out you know with <laughs> research support on books like these uh, no? all right well uh, yeah never mind then never mind um well moving <laughs> along let's talk about uh stripes moving right along let's talk about another <laughs> reboot <laughs> because uh nope. so we gotta do the muppet song now oh all right uh two podcasters in their natural habitat Okay, let's do it. So Stripes, the reboot, uh, not necessarily, We, I'm sure it's a reboot. It has to be a reboot, but it may just be a reimagining or a rethinking or something. Ah, it can't be a direct ah, continuation of Stripes. There's no Stripes read, cinematic universe. I read your rundown and I forgot that we were stepping from one mud puddle into another. Into another one. Um, uh, okay, let's let's... Let's set the stage for this discussion by throwing out the word reboot, because I am mad at the internet for saying a Stripes reboot. Okay, that's a modern term, and it carries a lot of baggage with it. And as I had to point out to people, because this is where the mud puddle came in, people went ape. A, half of them did not even parse the because the word reboot was used, could not even parse the fact that it was not them redoing the movie. They right. couldn't even read the stupid headline that, that said a, TV a, a major yeah. television network was going to make a series out of it. And then two, a bunch of them went crazy saying that that makes no sense, you can't remake a classic. And I'm like... Network television is built on the back of turning movies into gr- great movies into great TV shows. It doesn't always work, but or, the or list of it working so is TV huge. Shows. Yeah. Yes, but when it works, it works. And, and here's the thing: if it's if it sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, then we can't 
we have no say in the matter. Television will give it. It's fair enough that yeah. they'll want to give it a shot. And this is, I mean, they're not. It's just development. They're not even, no. as far as I understand, they are. They're developing the series. They're going to do a pilot, which Ivan Reitman is directing, which is huge because Ivan Reitman has never directed TV before. So this is yeah. also his uh, episodic debut. But yeah, I mean, it, it could go nowhere. It could be like the Beverly Hills Cop series that never got off the ground, and we'll never see. We'll never. Yeah. It, we'll never see the light of day. We'll never get to see a frame of it. Um, but yeah, I I, I, I kind of tried to explain this to people. Like you, you can't get into lists. So after a while, I just started to explain to people it could go one of two ways. It could go Private Benjamin, meaning fail. <laughs> like great great movie turned into a TV show, fell flat on its face. Yeah. Or it could go Mash. Just right. because they're both military ones, right? Like military comedy movies turned into TV shows. One went for 11 years, made history, and the other one nobody remembers. So it, it could uh, go and it's so, yeah. it's so early. Like, uh, well, they haven't even started <laughs> writing the pilot. Let alone. They've hired writers, and I'm also not familiar with the Whitest Kids You Know group. It's Trevor Moore, Zach Brown, and Zach Kreger. Yeah, uh, which I, I haven't watched White as Kids You Know, but um, it, I will it does say, seem like they come yeah. from the National Lampoon background. They do. Uh, they're very much cut from that cloth, you know, uh, also inspired by, you know, that alt comedy era of Kids in the Hall and Mr. Show yeah. and all that. So let's put it this way. There's more than one commenter that went, no way, Blah, and then went, oh, shoot, wait, they're writing it? Okay, maybe I'll wait and <laughs> maybe see. Maybe they'll give it a chance, yeah. And I'm like, oh, if we could just all practice the zen of yeah. starting on the let's just wait and see. <laughs> well, I think we're also, we're, we're such, we're in a rush to be hurt by things or to be outraged by things or, you know, and, and one of the arguments that I saw too that, I mean, is is a fair point. Somebody was saying, well, can the military be funny right now? Like, uh, considering that where we're deploying all of our troops to, uh, it's it's not like they're going to a, a Kush. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they're not being stationed at uh, Pearl Harbor in present day, and they're leaving. You know, h- hanging out in Hawaii, and um, yeah, that's the discussion that I've yet to have with people because I just I just don't want to pull the, the cap off of that one yet. Yeah. But and, the it, and reason it makes sense. Yeah. The reason it's being made is uh, kids, it's been you know nearly two decades with very little peace in between. Yeah. Of fighting in the Middle East. And, you know, we're now far enough along that it's time to, it's time to do the um, loaded weapons <laughs> as opposed to apocalypse now yeah, if you follow exactly. my, my meaning right? it's you have to laugh at stuff i mean at a certain point you get to your hogan's heroes and it's like oh boy can we do this and oh just you know <laughs> for some people it's it's uh it's therapeutic to be able to laugh <laughs> at some of this crazy stuff you know yeah i think people need to bone up on their history a lot too because that's the other thing that's come out is people who do did sense that this is where, what it was about and it's like oh we can't make fun of it while we're in the middle of it and it's like bob crane and half the cast fought nazis and then yeah. went home to make a comedy to make a about, show about actually, it. i don't know about yeah. bob crane but uh uh, was oh it the boy, guy that played Colonel name? Clink was, uh, Clink, uh, yeah. uh, Dawkins, uh, Richard Dawkins is in there. Dawkins, Richard, Richard, da- yeah. running man, Dawson, yes. no. Richard Dawson, Richard Dawson. Yeah. He's the, yeah. The Richard family Dawson. feud he's host. Family feud host. Yes. He's in Hogan's Heroes. 
hey, Richard Dawson, go back to your podium until it's time to play the feud. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think again, this also plays into uh, this actually nicely touches back on last week where we said we're, and we're partially to blame cause we're encouraging it. This, uh, uh, the legend of Bill Murray. Yeah. Once we make him this revered an icon, anything he did, you can't touch it again. And that's not true, but that's just where people go. Well, that might, that's probably part of it is this is. What was the best part of Stripes? Bill Murray. What was the best part of Ghostbusters? Arguably Bill Murray. Uh, you know, why Why did any Meatballs uh, movie after Meatballs 2 uh, fail? <laughs> Arguably Bill Murray. Um, well, it wasn't because so, Chris Makepeace, so I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, had, I had somebody that said, no Harold Ramis, then you can't make it. I was like, oh my God, did you think you know, 73 year old Harold Ramis should be in it. Like well, yeah. what, or, what did you have in your head? And then, but then I didn't say that. What I replied was, why do you hate John Candy so much? Yeah, they got, yeah. they got very offended. They were like, Ooh, that's a big assumption. I was like, I'm actually kidding, but uh, you're taking this very seriously. I'm sure judge Reinhold is ready to go though. Yeah. Uh, he there could you show go. up as a, you know, I, so, so the log line for this is a perennial rebellious outsider finally finds his purpose in life when he joins the U S military and must unite a group of ragtag tag eccentric eccentrics god i can't talk tonight um so it's it's very similar to the first movie there i think there probably are opportunities for some of the characters that we saw in the movie to show up uh if they're now senior officers or they're yeah uh, another reason why the whole reboot term may be off yeah they may have just dialed it forward and uh oh oh see there you go that forgives everything right there John Larroquette's character is still scrambling his way <laughs> yes. up the ladder and comes back as oh. a two-star or one-star general. Oh, oh man, yeah, that, I'm on board. Yeah, I mean, Larroquette I was on, I was, is I was, the uh, commandant Lassard of the uh, academy or something. And yeah. oh, I was, I, I was so, <laughs> I was so in neutral Zen. Wait and see, but oh man, if Larroquette comes back, Larroquette I am so back on, on board. TV. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right. Anyway, so stay tuned on that. It's still early goings. They they're writing scripts, and it's it's may not even go in front of cameras. So, but stay tuned. Um, all right, we don't have much time left, but I, I do have. We have about a half hour's worth of audio from uh, the TV Academy Hall of Fame induction ceremony that happened in Los Angeles, and uh, so I want I want to get into that. So, uh, Chris, remember last week we talked about. Bill Murray is everywhere. You just mentioned it again. The legend of Bill Murray. <laughs> the legend of Bill Murray. Yes. Um, I watched the first episode of Extra Innings, and it's a little incoherent, but it's still funny because it's it's Bill Murray. Um, but so uh, last week, quite literally after we recorded, because that's always what ends up happening, uh, the TV Academy decided to induct the original SNL cast into the hall of fame. We knew that that was happening. I didn't know that it was happening that night. I also didn't know that Bill Murray was going to show up. And I also don't think anybody else knew anybody he else. Was going to show up either. <laughs> um, and that's why I want to play all of the audio from this because it is such a wonderful candid ceremony. Um, and it's, it's so indicative of each one of these SNL, not ready for primetime players, personalities. Garrett Morris is 100% Garrett Morris. Dan Aykroyd, of course, is his usual self. Um, and then Bill Murray is 
It's it's amazing. He's self-deprecating. He says that he wasn't invited to this, that Lorraine Newman extended the invite and he just showed up. So nobody nobody was expecting him to be there. Um, it, it just, it's, it's so amazing. And the one thing that I always forget because, you know, you're watching these pre-taped packages on the local news and they're like, and the original Saturday Night Live cast showed up. Everybody was there. Chevy Chase, Lorraine Newman, Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris. And then they don't mention Bill Murray and you go, oh, that's weird. They probably just didn't know that Bill Murray was going to be there and they, they pre-taped this or something. But I always forget Bill Murray was not an original cast member. He came in after that's Chevy right. left. Yeah, he, um, he was the Chevy Chase replacement. Yeah, so and they, they play with that. When they accept their award, they have a lot of fun with that. So, um, I, I mean, it's, it, this is just a, it's a wonderful event. It's, uh, it's so good to see all of these people together. I really latched on to something that Bill says at the end of his speech, which you guys are going to hear uh, in a second here. But he ends by saying, I came here to see my friends, and I love them very much. Uh, and it's just the... The, the sentiment from Bill Murray, he's not usually an emotional guy. He's not. But now every time we see him, you remember like at the Scream Awards when he came out in the the, the Ghostbusters costume, but then he launched into uh, this is for all of my friends that are gone. You know, John Belushi, John Candy, Chris Farley. He uh, I, I think this is really it goes back to what we were talking about last week, Chris. I think he's kind of latched on to what he has become the sort of iconic person that he has become the personality that he has become um and he's i don't know i think he's also kind of facing mortality too maybe a little bit it's it's actually quite sad yeah and this is it has to be pointed out as this so this was last week mere days away from uh, Harold Ramis's birthday where he would yeah. have been 73 and it's kind of like even I'm sitting there going 73 that can't be right no 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 yeah. <laughs> everybody stop getting old <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't believe Garrett um, Morris is 80 years old and I know oh, right? wow um yeah I think I kind of like it I I mean he was all, already even in his his early I don't want to say angry young man, but his whatever whatever the Bill Murray equivalent of being, you know, you're angry twenty something, um, very philosophical, and you know, uh, I, I you know he's kind of turning into our pop culture Buddha. You know, he's he's <laughs> Car- Carl the groundskeeper is you know <laughs> just parlaying that Dalai Lama meeting, and I'm okay with that, right? Like yeah. I, I think I can I think I can dig that. Oh my God. Well, so here's what we'll do. We're going to play, uh, this, this package. It's the entire acceptance, uh, the, the award and the acceptance. And so you're going to hear Larry Wilmore, who's the one who gave the uh, award to them. He's going to introduce Lily Tomlin. You're going to hear, hear Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Garrett Morris, Lorraine Newman, Jane Curtin. You're going to hear everybody. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back and close out the show. So sit back and enjoy. This is the original not ready for primetime players receiving their Hall of Fame induction award at the TV Academy in Los Angeles. I'm glad to be here being honored like this, but for me, this is still another testimony to Lauren's genius, okay? Um, this this show has done, I think, is a way that when people want to really get the, get an ironic twist on something that's happening politically, most of the time they go to SNL. They go. Even even the right-wingers go there. Uh, 
hey, you can bet your boy, you know what I'm talking about, is looking at it all the time. Well, they were, it was a talented bunch. We were well-trained, you know. We came, at least four of us came from the second city and a few from the groundlings here in California. And so we, we were pretty well-trained So when we got there. So the idea of working with a, in an ensemble, we weren't afraid of or shocked by, and sort of riding on your feet, we knew how to do that. So we were, we were the right ones to pick at the right time. We were like the first astronauts, that's all. Now there's, a, there's astronauts, but those first ones had to be, you know, a little different, I guess. Well, now though, we've got magnificent people like uh, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones, and you know, uh, we've got uh, beautiful uh, performers there that are uh, doing uh, work and exceeding in some ways what we did, and so, uh, what it was was the establishment of an institution that will never go away. Uh, it's a credit, of course, to Lauren's brilliance as a, a talent manager and producer and writer that the show has endured so long. Um, and I see him, uh, you know, the legacy is that he's going to be there when he's 90 doing it. And it's, it's ne never going away, and it shouldn't, because it's uh, the main political satire uh, institution that we have in the, in the, in the, in the world now. And, uh, and boy, we, we need to we need we need to watch out for those in power, and we need to make sure that they uh, that they are satirized uh, with intelligence and uh, and great humor, and that's what SNL has always done, and will continue to do. All right, what was it like the day you got the news that you're being inducted into the TV Hall of Fame? Actually, um, I was sort of stunned, you know, a little shocked, but I, you know, I'm. Uh, thank you, appreciate it, you know. It's 80 years. Somebody said I should have been saying it's about time. But no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I've gone on 81. I appreciate it any time it happens. What's it like when the when the group of you, the originals, get together like you are tonight? Well, I haven't seen Jane on and off building. We saw her earlier. Quite a few years. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, right now it feels, feels good. Particularly that Jane is looking great. Bill is looking great. Uh, Danny, he's got a few pounds on him. He's looking all right. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Chef is coming on later on. You know? uh, we don't have uh, John and Gilda. Congratulations on tonight. It's well deserved for all of you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'm Bill. I'm Chris. All right. I bought and your you uh, old derby. We're gold derby. Okay. I bought your book Cinderella Story a few years ago. One of my mm. favorites. That's so so. Thank you. So funny and and well thought out. Your first time on SNL, you joined in the second season. Mm -hmm. What was that first moment like joining already an institution? People already were such fans of the show. Well, I was ready. You know, I was ready. I was as good as I was going to get. You know, I mean, I got better, but I mean, I was ready. And that first week, they gave me a bunch to do to see if I could do it, and I did it. And then after the show, it was supposed to be like a three-week tryout or something. And after the show, Lauren just said, well, I guess you'll be moving to New York. And I said, yeah, okay, good. I remember then this. I, then I was the second cop for the next couple of months, but it's okay. But I really enjoyed that first night. They gave me a bunch to do, and I, I did it pretty well. I remember when you came out on stage at one point and, and did the thing about uh, this is not working out. And yeah, it's not working. Well, I was sort of, you know, sort of between stools. I, was, I hadn't really, hey, you know, as a new person, you know, I was so far behind everyone oh, else. Amazing, you know, it was okay with me, but I thought it would be a good idea to just catch up and just say, okay, why don't you just be very direct and talk directly to people and let them know sort of what you like. 
And now the group, the SNL Originals, all going into the Hall of Fame tonight. Well, I'm just like I'm scooting in here. I wasn't an original, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a understand how we consider you an original. I'm, a, I'm hanging on to their coach. I've always been hanging on to them. Thank you so much. Sure. <laughs> By process of elimination, our final inductees are the original cast members. Yes, the time is here, you guys. Oh my God, they're right there. <laughs> of the most Emmy-nominated show in the history of television. By the way, I told you I loved this as a kid. I was always mad that you were Chevy Chase and I wasn't. I was always mad about that. <laughs> but I was so happy that you were. In 42 years, this show has received 231 nominations and 64 Emmys. And to induct them, a six-time Emmy winner who, 42 years ago next week, hosted the sixth episode of SNL. So please welcome a TV legend, Lily Tomlin. Thank you all, thank you. Um, you know, by the late fall of 1975, Gerald Ford has survived two assassination attempts. Jaws had become the biggest box office hit of all time, and Generalissimo Francisco Franco was still dead. <laughs> but one weekend in October, a television show premiered that would immortalize those events and others by mining them for comedy gold. NBC Saturday night arrived with the chance to hang out with the smartest and coolest kids in Manhattan for anyone with a television set. It quickly became more than just a TV show. It was a happening, a pop culture phenomenon that separated the hipsters from the squares. Although producer Lorne Michaels didn't invent sketch comedy, he gave it a relevance appealing to younger viewers by combining subversive, high-concept bits with exciting musical guests. The result was an all-new, late-night viewing destination. But what made the show more than the sum of its considerable parts was the electric chemistry of the original cast. All gifted in the art of improv, they reached the show from different journeys. But together, they made history as the not ready for prime time players. Fresh from a touring production of The Last of the Red Hot Lovers starring George Goebel, <laughs> came Jane Curtin. Lorraine Newman studied mime with Marcel Marceau and was a founding member of The Groundlings. Garrett Morris was a singer, playwright, and Broadway performer. A veteran of the off-Broadway show National Lampoon Lemmings, Chevy Chase appeared on stage and on the radio with John Belushi and Gilda Radner before both of them went on to meet Dan Aykroyd at Second City. These original seven performers created a legacy that cemented Saturday Night as an institution. It is my honor to induct the original cast of Saturday Night Live into the Television Academy Hall of Fame, the late John Belushi and Gilda Radner, and accepting Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Garrett Morris, and Chevy Chase.
Thank you. A long, long, long time ago, Gilda Radner and I were standing on a traffic island in Times Square. We were filming an opening montage for SNL. We were going through the montage. He moves to the camera when Gilda turned me around to see our giant faces on the giant screen overlooking Times Square. We were shocked, we were scared, and we were thrilled. Gilda said, it can't get any better than this. Well, I'm really sorry you're not here to see that it does get better. In fact, it gets pretty awesome, Gilda. We were fortunate to live in interesting times, times like this. We had Nixon, Watergate, drugs, the Equal Rights Amendment, Jimmy Carter, drugs, <laughs> Gerald Ford, drugs, <laughs> the Iranian Revolution, all that was going on, and we got to drugs. Sorry, I forgot that one. It was the drugs. We got to sound off on all of that with the assistance from remarkable people like my dear friend Buck Henry, the amazing Steve Martin, the glorious Lily Tomlin, who was so kind to me years ago, and the always brilliant Bill Murray. Lorne did well. Thank you for including us in this very special event. It truly is an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, honoring our cast in this way. Most of us came from sketch comedy, Second City, The Proposition, The Lampoon Show, The Groundlings, and then there was Garrett, who was a real actor. <laughs> but we all came from improv background, where we did a, a sketch, we ran off stage, changed, came in in the dark, lights up, do the, do the thing. And it was as if we were bred for it. And over the years, there have been terrific casts and superb writers. And for each generation, the cast that was on during their adolescence was the best cast. And I couldn't agree more. But I think one thing all of the performers over the years can agree on, sketch comedy is so much fun to do. So fun. And it's gratifying to be appreciated in this way, but I gotta tell you, Performing alongside Gilda Radner, John Belushi, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, and Bill Murray, it never felt like work. Thank you. Oh, wow. Uh, first of all, let me say, I, I, I cannot, I don't have the words to express my appreciation for this moment. Um, you were talking about the improvisational skills of the people I worked with. It was fantastic. They trained at SNL where the range was from one to 100 for the comedy. I trained improvisation at um, a place in the hood. <laughs> My range went from hate whitey to kill whitey. And the picture you see, the picture you see of us, right? The picture you see of us, I'm about 40 years old. The rest of those uh, young people had just gotten out of high school and out of college, and I was about 10 years away from AARP. <laughs> I am now 80 years old. I'm now at the age where drug abuse simply means me taking four stool softeners. <laughs> 
I'm not at the age where if a young lady says to me, Garrett, let's run upstairs and make mad, passionate love. I say, honey, I can't do both. (laughs) But I'm also at the age, I'm also at the age where as of 80, I am an official curmudgeon. And that means at 80, I can express my mind. Can I do it? Yes. Let me tell you, I want to tell you something, because my great-great-grandmother was brought over here on a slave ship and was raped by her slave master. And my grandfather was lynched by a mob for not tipping his hair, his hat, to a, a, a white lady. Now, they are dead, and you can't do a whole lot to ease or uh, to erase their suffering. However, if you are feeling guilty, I am willing to accept money. <laughs> as a victim representative of 400 years of repression. Please, hold on, please send your checks or money orders to White Guilt Relief Fund. And the address is my the editor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you send before July the 24th, the July the 4th, I will give you a certificate certifying you as an honorary Negro. I just want to end by saying one of the most monumental events in my career was Saturday Night Live, which pushed me with Jane Curtin, Lorraine Newman, Chevy Chase, uh, and all of the greats of uh, Danny Aykroyd, and of course, John Belushi, and the extraordinary woman, Miss Gilda Radner. Thank you very much. Who is it? Mrs. Carlins. Who? Dr. Carlson. Stupid, stupid shark and stupid, stupid person in in the chair opening the door. Most fun I ever had writing and being with that huge thing. It's been stolen, what, twice or two or three times, somehow out of the attic in my house. (laughs) Stole nothing else, it just got into the attic when we were gone, and it was gone. Um, I I don't know who to thank. Um, It's difficult because John is gone and Gilda's gone, and they were they were the embodiment of uh, the talent in that cast and uh, the danger. Um, I remember a sketch where John uh, was a director, uh, doing a, directing a picture or something, and, and uh, I was in it and Gilda was in it, in the picture. And he would go, um, cut! And he'd come up uh, and he'd say, uh, Chevy, if you say, Okay. Uh, then he'd go to Gildy and say, bam, he'd slap her in the face and she'd go all the way into the wall. And he just kept doing that. It went, and Gilda kept bouncing back. And Okay, Mr. Director, you know, bam. My God, that stuff is funny. It's, <laughs> oh, I can't tell you to be up there on that stage doing that stuff. Ah, God, it was fun. I tell you, I'd do it again in a minute. Uh, 
but I was only on the cast for about a minute, so <laughs> made a big mistake leaving. Um, thank you very much. Mostly thanks to Danny and John and Gilda and Lorraine and Jane and, and, and what's his name? <laughs> Garrett. <laughs> Ready, Garrett? Our top story tonight. Our top story tonight. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, obviously, uh, I speak for all of us when I say thank you to the Academy. Here we stand uh, in a line of legacy with Lucille Ball and, and Jack Webb. Just the facts. Uh, I don't remember being on SNL, but I know I was there. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and I, I, I just want to recognize that we do have a cast member here who should have been with us that first year, was a little bit busy doing other things. Bill Murray, please stand up. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Uh, and certainly, uh, he, uh, he deserves uh, a chunk of this tonight. Uh, I, again, I'm just going to say, you know, that I am so grateful for having been part of this community, a community that has the full breadth of tolerance, understanding, and wisdom, and compassion. And uh, I, I just like being a part of all of you and you being a part of me. Thank you. And Bill Murray, everybody. And Bill Murray. Did you, did you forget something? Would you like to say something? Yeah, Bill Murray. Let's have Bill Murray come up and say something. Of course. Would you like to say something? Well, yeah. So, I'd like to thank Lorraine for inviting me. <laughs> I didn't know what she was talking about, because I wasn't invited. But, it's actually okay, I'm fine. <laughs> it was really a delight to sit there and to watch them, because the, the truth is that they are history. And, and, uh, uh, I was just lucky enough. I was the new guy, and I'm, I'm okay with being the new guy. I always was okay with that. And uh, except for about five minutes ago, I really was bitter. <laughs> but I just want to say, if, I, if, I, if we're not on TV so I can say anything, right? <laughs> I just want to say that uh, I worked with all those people up there. And... Uh, I was the new guy and they really took care of me. They made it possible for me to uh, grow and they brought me along like a, a young duck. And I was uh, lucky enough to be with them. I I've always been lucky in my life that I've sort of followed icebreakers 
I've been behind people that were really the cutting edge, and I've just sort of, you know, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's looking behind them. I'm just there, you know. I, you know. So I was with all of them, and they dragged me forward, and I've been very lucky to know them. And I didn't come here to get an award anywhere. I came here to see my friends. I love them very much. Thank you. Thank you. Such a special night, wasn't it? Yes. Congratulations once again to the 24th Hall of Fame inductees. Let's give them all, everybody, all of them, one more round of applause, you guys. All of the inductees tonight. Such a special night, including Bill Murray. And on behalf of the Television Academy, thank you so much for coming. And we'd like to invite everyone to join us in the plaza right now for the post-show reception. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, so there it was, uh, Chris. Like I say, I mean, I I adore this. Uh, I I really love hearing all of them speak. I love hearing people like Garrett Moore speak about things because you rarely hear from him. Yeah. Um. And and just to you obviously could not see them because of the podcast, but uh, to see them all together and and in the show notes, I'm going to post, you know, the cover image that we usually do. It's it's just a great photo of the like three rows where you've got all of them sitting together and they're all smiling and it's just it's such a wonderful event so hope hope you guys enjoyed that as much as i did and uh check check out the video of it if you can if you have the the chance to do so but i like i like that bill murray has become uh (laughs) has become the modern uh bloody mary urban legend <laughs> say his name three times and he shall appear no like, <laughs> no no it's the well it's kind of the opposite if you open a bottle of wine say any three cast members other than him and turn off the lights when you turn the back on he'll be there <laughs> pouring the wine for you <laughs> oh man well and it made for such great photo ops like uh chris harduk was there so you know I, he, oh did you see the picture oh god got? you could see the gleam in his eye he was just freaking out by being <laughs> around rever- him he reverted back to 14 years old <laughs> like he was just <laughs> well wouldn't you if you're standing in between it was murray Ackroyd, and chevy chase i think well, who's the third i think it was chevy chase or maybe it was yep. jane Curtin. Jane Curtin, yep. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're a comedy nerd like Chris Hardwick is, uh, that's you know you're you're meeting all of your idols right there. That's that's a yep. once in a lifetime opportunity. So oh, absolutely. Um, so, Let's yeah. put it this way: he met me, he was not that blown away. So <laughs> he met you and was like, hey, "There's a guy behind you. Who cares about that guy?" <laughs> 
Anyhow, but uh, so what? Uh, what do you have for your final thoughts? Actually, so Chris, this is this is kind of a monumental final thoughts. This is going to be the last time for a few weeks because we're going to switch into pre-recorded mode here. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what do you have getting... in terms of final thoughts? I have none. I, to be honest, I need to remember <laughs> to think about these things harder. <laughs> um, I have no final thoughts other than um, I'm going to try my honest best to uh, put together a, uh, a solid Ghostbusters um, uh, home shopping uh, channel. Yes, yeah. I will recommend that I, if anybody needs to do a lot of... Actually, it doesn't even have to be Ghostbusters shopping, but it feels a lot like right now that um, it's we live in a wondrous time where you can spend the annual... Um, Actually, if you're not signed up for Amazon Prime, I think you can just do the trial and it'll suit you fine for Christmas. But sign up for the year, get all the great movies and television and all that. Watch, you know, binge watch a bunch of uh, Man in the High Castle or something over the holidays. Uh, Instantly make that back uh, on all the shipping you save for the huge amount of Ghostbusters stuff that this this year you can get, both for yourself or somebody else. Yeah. I. I was looking at my shopping list like ever since I got it, and it's just just kind of ridiculous. Actually, this feels like a, a plug for Amazon Prime, and I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, where's our kickback on this? <laughs> where's the? Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> but no, like uh, I picked up my copy of um, the third uh, hardcover from IDW for the yeah, Ghostbusters comic. As did I. Uh, yeah. Uh, at a at a pre well not a pre but pre Black Friday, but part of their Black Friday week sale. There was a real real like deep discount on it 40% off or something like that was really good so I grabbed that Um, this is I mean especially if you're in the states because if you're in the states everything that we got in North America is available there I had to uh, order off of a friend the uh, meeples the Ghostbusters meeples meeples, because we never got them here but everything the movies the whatever I don't know I don't think it's about I don't think this year is yeah, that's what I'm uncomfortable with. See, this is why I should think about these things in advance. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not a final thought so much as a final ramble. But um, I, 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 no, there's no wrap up. <laughs> that's, that's all right. <laughs> I, yeah, I struggled. I mean, it's not there. You're, you're. Uh, so, as you said, you've got the uh, Ghostbusters Home Shopping Network coming up. Uh, we're going to hear that Maurice LaMarche uh, audio yep. that you had talked about, and. Uh, and then, yeah, well, hopefully we're going to be able to do one more uh, quote-unquote live episode before the end of the year, and then you'll hear our, our commentary. So uh, yeah. good good content is coming your way. Don't fear. Uh, those of you that are loyal listeners on Mondays, uh, there will be uh, good stuff for you to listen to. It's just that the timely news uh, will kind of dissipate for the next couple of weeks. But uh, we'll, Everybody we'll pay attention to the number that we put at the end, as well as, you know, our... Um, social media stuff because i think uh you know maybe for one or two of these pre-recordeds if you want to get in a uh, season's greeting to everybody yeah voicemail would be nice uh we'll yeah. we'll, we'll Not play just some us, of your greetings any, yeah. anybody yeah exactly you know we'll, we'll every, do every, delilah if, if you guys want to get right. a dedication out there uh we'll, we'll play your dedication to people <laughs> play misty for me oh wait delilah. no that's about a murderer never mind um, yeah but if you know if if the north american franchises want to send a shout out to the 
European and you know Japan and South Korean teams and vice versa. God, go for it. Let's yeah. uh, actually, I like that idea. Let's do send that. Them, yeah, send them in. Forget, Call that voicemail. Forget, and, and send forget us your my ramble. Greetings. I still, I still say that. Uh, you should, everybody treat yourself. Get yourself Amazon Prime. Buy a bunch of swag for everybody else. Buy a bunch of swag for you. Uh, the and just enjoy Christmas holidays. But yeah, let's, let's send in your shoutouts and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll swap shoutouts to everybody. Yeah, that's a good good note to end on. There yeah, we go. See you oh, pulled it around, Chris. It all did up. it. Yes. <laughs> all right, everybody. Uh, f- f- fear not. Uh, we will speak again in a few weeks. But uh, next week you will hear an all new cross rip. Don't worry about it. It's it's coming. Not like the 88 miles per hour hardcover, which is still not coming, but it's coming. We've got another episode next Monday. We'll see you on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. You're gonna be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Fastmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. They want you to love it. Next week, though, Hairless Pets. Weird.